Hi, this is Pastor Nelson Mercado. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast from the Nashville First Seventh-day Adventist Church. I hope you are blessed by today's message. Good morning, happy Sabbath. Let us bow our head in prayer. Oh, gracious Father, Lord God in heaven, you are such an awesome God, and we thank you, and we praise you for only you are worthy. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to study your word. And as we open the word now, I pray, Lord, for your Holy Spirit to dwell in our hearts, that the words that may that are going to be said may be led by you for your honor and glory. May it touch each heart, each home, Lord, that all may reflect your love. May the husbands and wives, fathers and mothers, oh Lord, may they all know that you are with them wherever they are. Be with us as we pray. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Whoa. All right. So we've been, uh, last week we had talked about our wives' responsibilities, right? And marriage, when, when, when it begins, you know, it's supposed to be nice and warm and intimate. But, you know, sometimes as time goes by and by, well, it becomes, it may, it may become cold, maybe even business-like. I have here something for you to think about. Um, it's the seven stages of marriage. It says, the first year the husband says, honey, I'm worried about my beautiful bride. You've had a bad sniffle. I want to put you into the, into the hospital for a complete checkup. I know the food is lousy, but I've arranged for your meals to be sent up from Rosini's. It's all arranged. The second year, listen, honey, I don't like the sound of that cough. I've called Dr. Miller, and he's, coming to, he's going to rush right over. Now, will you please go to bed just for me, please? Third year, maybe you better lie down, honey. Nothing like a little rest if you're feeling bad. I'll bring you something to eat. Do we have any soup here at home? Fourth year. Look, dear, be sensible. After you fed the kids, wash the dishes, you'd better uh, hit the sack. The fifth year. Why don't you take a couple of aspirins? The sixth year. If you just gargle or something, instead of sitting around barking like a seal. The seventh year. For heaven's sake, stop sneezing. What are you trying to do? Give me pneumonia? You know, some of you may be uh, able to uh, relate to this illustration, right? Well, one thing uh, a close friend of Nelson told us when we were about to get married, just before we got married, is that things change after marriage. But us, like you know, we were 19, we were in love. That was not going to happen. That us. Mm-mm. Change was not going to be a part of our life. We were going to remain the same. And as you all know, that is not the case. Change does happen. It's part of nature. It's part of life, isn't it? But does these changes really have to change with us or affect us as a marriage? I think the challenges of marriage today stems because we do not follow God's counsel about marriage. And I think as we studied last week about us wives being in submission, 
to a loving husband? Well, let's see what that is all about. So the secrets to marital bliss. That's the, uh, really the, t- the title of the two-part series there in Ephesians chapter 5. And so last week, Lucy uh, introduced that and, and, um, and talked about this. Uh, just uh, as a review, Ephesians, um, Paul uh, writes this letter to the Ephesians church, not because there was any conflict necessarily happened, but uh, uh, he actually uh, call, uh, writes to encourage and to praise of what's happening in their lives on account of what Jesus has done for them. And really, so he talks about this. Because of what Christ has done, how should we relate to one another? And, and he even talks about the Holy Spirit, the reality of the Holy Spirit and how that affects us. In chapter 5, I invite you to go to Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, Paul uh, uh, talks about, you know, walking in love, walking in the light, walking in wisdom, again, on account of what Christ has done for us, on account of the Holy Spirit. And in verse 21, he actually mentions the, whole, the, the, the fact that we ought to submit to one another. So notice that submission, this word that it, for many wives is sort of a bad word. Submission is not a bad word. Submission is the result of what Christ has done for us and us having the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And then he addresses the wives. Again, verse 22 through 24, wives, submit to your husbands, to your own husbands, as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Lucy explained that this submission that Paul talks about, that God is talking about, in no way implies that that the wife is inferior to the husband. That this submission is only possible among equals. So that means that in marriage... I am not superior to Lucy. She's not superior to me. We are both equals. And, and because of that equality, then that submission is, 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 um, is possible. It is a voluntary submission. And that submission or, or the counsel of Paul to the wise to submit is because God made the husband the head of the wife. And there's is where, again, husbands say, all right. See, it's in the Bible. I am the boss. Things are supposed to be done how I say and when I say it. Right? This is a common belief. But what we, we saw last week is that this concept of headship, it, it's, it's, it's not necessarily highlighting the fact that I'm the boss. It, 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 the concept of headship highlights the fact that we ought to love our wives and guide them, and, and remember, it, it actually says that the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. The word savior, remember, meant preserver, so also this headship means that as preserver, the husband is to protect his wife and provide for her. And so this is, in essence, what this headship means. We also saw that you know, just because I am the head of the household, that doesn't mean that I should not uh, uh, um, pay attention to anything Lucy is telling me or, or accept her counsel. Because one thing that I have seen in the last 30 years is that Lucy has, I mentioned that last Sabbath, that a wisdom past her age. And that I have learned, sometimes unfortunately the hard way, that 
I ought to accept her counsel. She is pretty smart. You know, the Bible says that when we, when, when, when the, the, the husband and the wife come together, they become what? One. One, right? They become one flesh. Marriage is a partnership. And as such, both parties are important in the marriage, wouldn't you say? We're both important. We're both equal. Now, again, the Bible does say that wives ought to submit to their husbands. Now, in, in the book Adventist Home, Ellen White speaking about this further clarifies the words of Paul. She's not contradicting what he's saying, but she, make things, uh, she, she highlights something that is very important. This is from Adventist Home, page 117. You can write that down and look it up later. Adventist Home, page 117. Wives subject only as husbands are subject to Christ. So notice the caveat there. We are husbands, yes, indeed, our, our, our wives are to submit to the husbands only as what? As the husbands are subject to Christ. She goes on to say, but it, it was not the design of God that the husband should have control as the head of the house if, when he himself does not submit to Christ. He must uh, be under the rule of Christ that, uh, that he may represent the relation of Christ to the church. So wives, submit to your husbands. But what if the husband is not submitting to Christ? Well, it seems to suggest then that then Lucy is not bound to this submission to me because I am not submitting to Jesus. See, husbands, if you want to, to emphasize the concept of being the head of the household, it again means that you and I have to be the examples. That I have to have a submitted, consecrated, intentional relationship with Jesus Christ. And Lucy mentioned last Sabbath that when the husband doesn't do, do his job, that's when you know, the wife needs to step up. And that her loyalty primarily is not to me, is to Jesus. That's what she's responsible for. And so husbands, yes indeed, we are the head of the household, but keep in mind that that is tied to our subjection, our submitting ourselves to Jesus. If we're not submitting to Jesus, then you can't blame your wife if she's not submitting to you because you're the example. But notice what else Paul says. Again, we're looking at the counsel, the responsibility of husbands today. Verse 25, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, our scripture reading. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. So now that Lucy has uh, chosen to submit to me, how should I respond? What is my role, according to verse 25? I am to love her. But this love, however, is, is much more than the, say, erotic feeling, the eros, because the Bible has several words for love, uh, and eros is one of them, the love that, that a man has for a woman, that a husband has for a wife. It's not talking about that. The love that Paul highlights here in verse 25 is a sacrificial love. In fact, the Greek word that he uses is agapate, from agape, you, you, or agape, you've heard that word before, is sacrificial love. And of course, Jesus is the example of that love. 
This is why he says, love your wives just as who? Just as Christ loved the church. He is the example of love because he gave himself for us. You know, it's been said that no wife would mind submitting to a husband that loves her as Christ loved the church. And so could it be that, that wives are very apprehensive when, 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 when they're talking about the, the, the talk about submission? Could it be that the reason for that is because we husbands haven't been doing our job? Is that we husbands haven't loved, been loving her like Christ loved the church? We haven't been following the example of Jesus. You know, someone, there was a husband that was concerned about whether he was loving his wife too much. And he, uh, uh, you know, talked to a, a, a man in the church, a fellow Christian, and he, and, and he communicated, I'm concerned that I am loving my wife too much. And, uh, and the Christian man answered him, you know, asked him, well, do you love, would you say that you love your church, your, your wife more than Christ loved the church? And, and he said, well, of course not. Well, then, that's when you should be concerned. Only when you go beyond that are you loving your wife too much. How many of you uh, like baseball? Do you have baseball, Major League Baseball? There's a few of you. You know, I, uh, I went, uh, I, when I was a child, I played baseball Little League. I wasn't all that good. I got better as I grew up. Um, but uh, I, uh, I enjoy watching baseball, especially when it's live. If I go to the park and watch it live, I enjoy watching uh, baseball. Um, on TV, yeah, uh, not so much, unless, they're, um, unless when, we're, when we're in the playoffs in, in the World Series, I, I get interesting. Lucy will tell you that, that I damaged her um, because when we first got married, she was an avid baseball fan. Mm -hmm. She enjoyed watching Major League Baseball on TV, and, um, and so, but I didn't at the time. I didn't, and so, you know, she got turned off. She was telling me today, I remember when we first got married watching the World Series by myself. And, 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 and you know, Lucy gets in the game and she gets, starts screaming and yelling. And, and, and so, I, uh, and of I couldn't course, do that. He's sleeping. Yeah, I was sleeping, so she would wake me up. So, I, I, she, she, will, she will tell you that I, I took that desire of, of baseball. Uh, watching baseball, but I, you know, I, I do watch uh, the World Series. But you know, baseball obviously has certain rules, right? Uh, uh, so if you if you're familiar with baseball, you know you're familiar with the concept of a sacrificial bunt, right? What is a bunt? Well, a bunt is simply in, instead of swinging, right? The batter simply basically sort of leans, and the idea is to tip the ball up and into the first baseline or the third baseline, right? And the purpose for the sacrificial bunt is to what? To advance the runners down the base. That's the purpose of the sacrificial bunt. And so a bunt is made because the team has a better chance of hitting it short and moving the person, the, bat, the, the runners down the bases, than to swinging and, you know, and, or maybe even striking out, right? But now, uh, uh, usually it is the third base coach who signals the bunt. And you've probably seen those signals that they give and whatnot. Telling the batter, you are to bunt now. Now, when the third base coach does this, it may come at a time when the batter had already had a plan. He already had a plan that he was going to swing and he was going to give his home run. 
He, maybe he wanted to improve his stats, his average. Maybe he wanted to show off his strength. Maybe he wanted to show the pitcher, oh, you're not going to strike me out. But at that time, the third base coach tells him, no, you have to sacrifice your right to swing because it's better for the team that you do a sacrificial bunt. It's better for the team for you to sacrifice your home run, which usually means that he's going to be thrown out. Because nine times out of ten, that's what happens when somebody bunts. He's going to be thrown out. But the batters or the runners are going to move along the bases. A sacrificial bunt means that the batter in this case is doing something, sacrificing himself, sacrificing his right for the welfare of something better. In this case, the welfare of the team. Jesus, or Paul, and God through Paul is telling husbands to love like Christ, love the church. To think about her before he thinks about himself. You know, God has called every man in the context of his relationship with his woman to lay down his sacrificial bunt. bunt. <laughs> to simply put it, you know, he has to think of somebody else's best interest instead of his own. And that person normally should be his wife, his family, right? His, his, his wife here. Now, the argument, like he said, is about this, that in, in essence, both are submitting, not just the wife, but also the husband. He has to submit, he has to love his wife so much that he is willing to forego his own interests. That's what he does, that is what it's supposed to be. And you see, isn't that the test, the supreme test of love? Isn't that what Jesus showed us? That he was willing to die, to let go of everything for another person, for us? And that's the example that Jesus gave our men. Now, God, Christ gave himself to the church because she, is, she was in a desperate need, right? He did it to save her. And Husbands, when you love us, you're loving us when we need you as well, at all times. Not when we are still young and pretty and thin, but also as we get older and wrinkles start coming out, right? Or God forbid, in sickness as well. That's the time us women, we need, remember last week we, I mentioned that men when we submit to them, we're showing respect, and that's how men love to be shown love, is that respect. We women need to be loved, to know that we're going to be protected, we're going to be, the, somebody's going to be there for us no matter what happens. That kind of type of sacrificial love is what we need as women. And like he said, what woman here would not be willing to submit to a husband that loves that way? Wouldn't you? I know that I do. Now, question for you guys. How many of you, and I know I, this is my question, is how many of you think a, a husband willing to, sac to do the ultimate sacrifice, to sacrifice his life for you, you know, how many of you would uh, think your husband is willing to do that? I, I hope Nelson is willing to do that. I hope that if we ever get held up, I hope never that happened. But if should that ever happen, or we're held hostage, that my husband would say, don't take me, not her. Nelson, I'm not expecting that from you that you will die for me. 
Isn't that what you want? That's what I hope one day. But you know what? This is not just a one-day thing or one-time thing for you to be the hero, be in the paper, I don't know, have your 15 minutes of fame. That's not the love. It's an everyday thing. And it's more than just sacrificing your life in, in the sense that you're going to die for me. But are you willing to, to sacrifice for me your time, whatever is more important to you, set it aside. You know, are you willing to make those day-to-day -day sacrifices, husbands? Will you hold loosely to your time so that you can invest it in hers? Will you hold loosely to your preference so that you can concede to hers? Would you let go some of your dreams so that she can achieve hers? Will you let go of your, your sinful life, those little things that you want for her sake? You know, will you be gentle and kind to her? Ultimately, you will live more for her good than for your own. That's a question I want to ask my husband today, and he's going to answer that. And as he answers that question for me, of course, he's going to answer it for all the husbands, I hope. Because that's the counsel that God has given us, each one of us. Wives, we're submitting because we love our husbands, because they are willing to sacrifice for us. And we'll see now how that really plays out. Well, I mean, this uh, put me in the spot, right? Uh, what, what does this look like? We're still in verse 25. Remember, the, the, the counsel is love, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. like and, and you know again I'm just going to share some tips um, um, maybe not perfect examples but it, it sort of gives us an idea of how can that be manifested so love our wives as Christ loved the church so how did Christ love the church what did Jesus do for the church what did Jesus do for me and for you you know we could you know do a, name a few but we're, I'm going to just name four things that Jesus did for us that then that as husbands we are to do for our wives. So the first thing is that Jesus sacrificed for the church. He sacrificed for you, right? Again, he gave himself for her, Paul says in verse 25. And so how can we sacrifice? How does a husband sacrifice for his wife? Well, a, a, a couple of things. You should, you should, Lucy mentioned just one of them. Sacrificing your time. For example, sacrificing your time. Because it may be, for example, that, um, that you as a husband had already made plans. You know, this Sunday is, uh, are the, the divisional playoffs, football playoffs. If, you, if you're a follower of football, you know that's happening this Sunday. Okay? And maybe you husbands, you made plans with your, your friends. You're going to go, um, your friend has a... Uh, uh, you know, a basement, a man cave, and, and you're going to have popcorn and drinks, and you're going to watch the football game. You're looking forward to this, um, and, and that's the plan you had. But now your wife told you, listen, I, I really could use your help, you know, you know, doing some of the lawn work, or listen, God forbid, she says she wants to go antiquing with you, right? There's an antique store down the street. You know, what, what, would, what, would that, what would that do for your wife is as a husband you say, you know what, I'm just going to dedicate this time to Lucy or my wife and go and do that on Sunday. 
what do you think that would do for, her, for your wife, for the wife? What would that do for Lucy if that's what, what I would do? She would feel valued, wouldn't she? Because she knows that I would, have, I would have preferred go and watch the football game with the buddies in, you know, in, his, in his man cave, right? But I decided, you know, I'm going to do this with her. I am going to spend my time with my wife. It would value, she would feel valued, wouldn't she? Now, that's not to say that, that we are not to do that all, necessarily all the time. And, and it could be that she says, you know, I want to do this for my husband. I really like to go antiquing, but, you know, the football game is this Sunday. Why don't you go and play, the, you know, watch the football games? You know, it works both ways. But the point is, you know, Jesus sacrificed for us, and so we ought to sacrifice for them, right? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not lifting my desires ahead of hers. I'm doing something for her sake. Sacrificing their time is one, one of those. How about your independence? You sacrifice your independence because now you are accountable to your wife. You know, it, was, it, it could be that, at, at, at obviously, before you got married, uh, that was different, right? You didn't have to be accountable to anybody. But now you are married. Now you're accountable to your wife as to how you, know, how you spend your time, how you spend your money. The things that you're doing, you're accountable, Okay? And, 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 you know, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, okay? Because we, again, this is not about me. It's not about her. It's about us. Be accountable to your wife. And, you know, I uh, oftentimes, I, I think I mentioned this last week, um, I do uh, I give premarital counseling to couples that are about to get married. And... Um, one, one of the things about marriage that, that is one of the greatest parts about marriage is the fact that you can be open with your spouse. I don't know, you know, again, those of you who are married, but I can tell you that I can be myself with Lucy. I can tell her anything. I know that she's going to be with me and she's going to be right behind me no matter what. You know, there, there's, um, this is something that that we pastors talk about uh, when we are together in meetings, we, we do sh- you know shop talk. And um, <clears throat> but this is a reality, and maybe you don't know this, but you'll know today. When I before I became pastor, there, I, I, as you know, I was a paramedic, and. There was, you know, working as a paramedic, it, it was a stressful time. I, I enjoyed doing it, but when the shift was over, I went home, I could just be me. I didn't have to be a paramedic, because I, 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 I clocked out, I, shift is over, I don't have to do it until tomorrow morning. That's not the case with being a pastor. A pastor is always a pastor. It's like you're 24 hours a day, 24-7, you have that pastor. You're considered a pastor. You're always thinking about the church. You're thinking about these things. But with Lucy, I can be Nelson. I can be just me. I can put that aside and be, and be just me and trust her with that. This is a, one of the greatest parts about marriage. And in some ways, you're giving your independence because now you're relying on her. You're dependent upon her. Sacrificing your independence. Being transparent with your spouse. Sacrificing your money. Your money. Because maybe before uh, you got married, you can do with your money whatever you want. You can spend your money on frivolous things. But now you have a a responsibility with the money. And by the way, again, going back to uh, some of the counsels that I give to couples before they get married, 
and by the way, some of you may not practice this, and it's not necessarily wrong, but, but, but I believe that, again, when, when a couple gets married, it stops being about mine and hers, and it starts being about us. So the, one counsel that I give to, married, to couples that are about to get married is that may, it, it could be that you both are working. You're both earning a paycheck. Now, some, some couples do, well, it's my paycheck, your paycheck, you put it in your account, I put it in my account, and then, you know, we, we pay the bills, but it's still my money and it's her, and your money and my money. Uh, you know, in the 30 years we've been married, we decided that that's not the case with, with us. You know, I, we put it all in one pot. And from the one pot, we get and we pay everything and, and, and do everything we got to do. And because it's different when you get married. Now, again, those of you who, who don't practice it that way is not necessarily wrong, but this is a counsel that I give to, um, to couples that are about to get married because as a married couple, we have different priorities. And so Jesus sacrificed for us. What does this love look like? Well, you know, this, these are some, maybe some tips, some, some ways of how this looks like for a husband. Sacrificing your time for her, your independence for her, your money. But Jesus also served the church. Matthew 10, 45, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life uh, a ransom for many. Notice Jesus came to serve us. It's hard to you know, wrap our minds around that. And so how do we serve our wives? Well, there's uh, maybe some, some tips we can think about. How about supporting her domestically? Husbands, supporting your wife domestically. What does that mean? It means to help out around the house. Helping out around the house. You know, you know decades ago, a number of decades ago, it was very common for the husband to be the one that worked outside the house, and the wife would be the one at home. And the wife did the cleaning and, and the cooking and, and the taking care of the kids. And so the expectation was, all right, well, the husband works outside the house. After work, he comes home, and he can sit on his favorite couch. And, and you know, like the cartoons, the, the dog would bling, bring his slippers, and he can sit and read the newspaper while the wife was preparing a meal and all those things. The expectation was, the role was that the woman did this, the husband did that. And, and culturally, in some cultures, it's still like that. But more likely now, the, 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 uh, the way it works is that both work outside the house, right? Because sometimes that's, that's needed financially. But yet, somehow, the expectation is still that it's the, it's the wife's job to do the cooking and the cleaning and, putting, and doing away with the dishes because that's her role, even though she also works from outside. And so how can we help her domestically? Helping around the house. You know, there's nothing wrong with the husband doing the cooking, or doing some of the cooking, doing the cleaning, doing the di- at least loading the dishes in the dishwasher. There's nothing wrong with that, is there? You know, we help her out around the house uh, because that's the way it is. Now, it, it could be that, again, in, in, in your situation, the wife is, is working, out, uh, uh, rather staying at home and, you're, and the husband is working outside. But still... There's nothing wrong with the husband coming home and giving a hand once in a while, right? Serving her. Because, again, this is what we're talking about. Jesus served us. And so how do we husbands love like Jesus? By serving our wives. Doing something unexpected, which may lead to the second thing of surprising her. We serve our wives by surprising her. 
Maybe you'll surprise her by helping out around the house. Maybe fold in the laundry, even though sometimes they criticize you because maybe you didn't fold the laundry all that well, or maybe you didn't put the, the shirts where they needed to go. But the point is that you help out, right? You're surprising her. You're doing something that she did not expect you to do. So one day you come home and you decide, you know, I am going to do the cooking. Maybe I'll come in a little early do the cooking so that I will have a meal for my wife. And if you don't cook, well, maybe you just go to a restaurant and order some, you know, takeout or something and just bring it and have a meal and, 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 and you know, just give her that break. Or how about um, giving her a hug when, you, when she did not expect it? Now, I told you this last Sabbath, Lucy both, uh, we both told you that we, we are not sharing these things with us because we have it all figured out somehow or because we're experts in this, because there, there are times we're working through this ourselves, all right? And I will tell you, this is an area that I still have to work a lot on, right? Because unexpectedly, by the way, unexpectedly giving her a hug, a non-sensual hug, it means that you don't have uh, an, a secret agenda behind it all. You see what I'm saying? You give her a hug. You know, you, you tell her how much you appreciate her. Something surprising. She may not expect that, but you go out of your way and surprise her. You are serving her. You're helping her. And by the way, in doing this is not doing it with a long face and pouting. Oh, man, I came home from work and I got to do the dishes. All right, I'll do it, but I'm not going to like it. It's do it out of love. Serving her. Jesus served us. We are to serve our wives. Jesus also suffered for us. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus died in our behalf when we didn't deserve it. Notice, while we were still sinners, when we turned our back on him, he was still there for us. Now, let's, let's face it, let's be honest. There may be times when the husbands feel like their wives are getting on their nerves. Say it isn't so. No, Lucy doesn't get on my nerves. But maybe some of you, your husband, you may feel that your wife's getting on your nerves. Maybe she's been too critical of you. Maybe, I don't know, she's been putting you down because of something that's going on, and you feel like you can't take it anymore. Well, friends, that's the time when we need to choose to love her anyway. Because see, love, when we talk about love, you know, we think about an emotion, but love really isn't an emotion. Love is a principle, and it's a choice, a choice to love her in spite of that. See, Jesus loved us in spite of the fact that we turned our backs on him. In spite of the fact that we're sinners, Jesus died for us. He loved us. He chose to love us. We are to choose to love our wives no matter what. They are, you know, let's face it, those of you who are married or have been married know that oftentimes there are storms in the marriage. There are fierce winds in the marriage. And that's when we need to, at that time especially, is when we need to choose to love, suffer for her, and also submit to her. Paul again uh, talks about this to the church in Ephesians 5.21, when he says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. And so it could be that as a husband, you need to forego your ego, put that your ego aside, because your wife has a better idea of how to address an issue, 
how to resolve a problem in the household. Just because you're the head of the household doesn't mean that you are so, somehow the smarter one and that in spite of your wife's input, things are supposed to be done your way. Put that aside because maybe she knows better. There are times when the, the players in the team know a little better than the, more than the coach. And so submitting to her. So Jesus, Jesus um, sacrificed for us. He served us. He suffered for us. And he submitted for us. We are to do the same for our wives. This is how we as husbands love her as Christ loved the church. It's a sacrificial love. And notice verse 26. Paul goes on to say, again, we are to love our wives as Christ loved the church. To what end? He says that, that he might sanctify her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Sanctify her. What does sanctify mean? So actually, somebody asked that um, in our Sabbath school. What, what does that mean to be holy or to make holy? It's to set apart, to set her apart, which highlights our responsibility as husbands. This headship means that we are to be the spiritual leaders of our, church, of our household. This is part of our responsibility, to be the spiritual leaders of our household. Meaning, friends, that I, I should take care, I should be guiding her in, 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 in with my spiritual life's example. Maybe I'm the one who, who needs to uh, take the initiative and say to pray for her, pray with her, to have a devotional time to make sure that we're going to church. To take the, to, to take the initiative, to take the first step and making sure that that happened. That you are concerned, husbands, over your wife's spiritual life. Why? So that he might, verse 27, so that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having a spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. See, this is what God wants to do for our wives. God has given us husbands the task of making sure that happens, of making sure that happens. Now, this, of course, doesn't take away the responsibility of the wife, to also be concerned over, over her spirituality and do what she needs to do to have a relationship with Christ. And also, it doesn't take away her responsibility to ensure that her husband does also have a spiritual life and praying for him and, and, and also sometimes taking some initiative. But God had placed that on us as husbands. That's the head. We are the head of, of the household, the head of the wife, as Jesus is the head of the church. We must ensure that these things happen. He's given us a responsibility. Paul continues saying, so that husbands, so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his whose wife loves himself. Now you may wonder, why, why does it, why is loving my wife equated to loving myself? Well, simple, because Paul, I mean, Paul quotes it in verse 31. He quotes Genesis 2, 24, where the Bible says that the two become what? They become one. They two become one flesh. And so the husbands are not to do more for themselves than they would do for their wives. In the same way that a husband, that I would take care of myself, that I would take care of my body, I am to take care of Lucy. In the same way that I would avoid danger, I will protect myself from danger and discomfort, I am going to do the same for her. 
This is, what it, this, this is what this looks like. And when I promote her welfare, when I promote Lucy's welfare, and I, I'm actually promoting my own welfare. There is a, a, an adage that goes, happy wife, happy life. Happy wife, happy life. And if you have been married for any period of time, I am sure you have seen that that, that is true. In a household, I've seen that in 30 years. I can tell you I've seen it a lot. Happy wife, happy life. When Lucy isn't happy, maybe, maybe, maybe on the occasions, on the, uh, on the handful of occasions that I've done something wrong, <laughs> that she's been mad at me, I can tell you that my life is, is just... I, I, nothing, nothing is worthwhile. I can't be happy myself. Nothing really works out. It, it, anything in the day is just it's terrible. Why? Because Lucy's, Lucy is, is mad. And it isn't until the issue is resolved and she's happy again that I can be happy again. It's just a, really, it's just a reality. And, and it's logical. Kindness begets kindness. Love begets love. Happy wife, happy life. And by the way, it works both ways right? It works out both ways. You know, we should both do what we can to, for the happiness of the other, right? That's the kind of love uh, that, uh, that Paul is talking about. And he ends verse 33 saying, nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself. So the way you love yourself is the way you love your wife. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. And friends, you know, I think that in a time that we are living in, when the family structure is under attack, when marriages are under attack, marriages, couples would, would do well to seek the counsel, to follow the counsel of God through Paul in Ephesians 5, to ensure that they have long, happy marriages. And I've been married long enough, again, 30 years, to know that Lucy needs this kind of love from me. And she knows that, that I long for her respect. I long for that voluntary submission that results from me loving her as Christ loved the church. This is the secret to marital bliss. Loving submission and loving like Christ. Now, Again, I know that not everybody is married. Some of you may consider that in the future. Some of you, this is not something you're going to do. But yet, it's interesting, though, that these, both, both, both of these principles, those, uh, uh, the, the loving submission and loving like Christ, is something that we can also apply to our lives even though we are not married. I, I mean, you think about this. I mentioned earlier, in marriage... Part of, part of the package, because we are two different people, is that there's going to be changes. We talked about that. And again, there's sometimes going to be storms. And the only way we can survive through those storms is by, again, the loving submission and loving like Christ. We Christians today are facing some storms right now. We're facing some dilemmas right now because of everything that is happening in society that is affecting Christianity as we speak. What would it do for our own lives 
for our own spirituality and for our example that if that in spite of what's happening around us, the division, the bickering that's happening in our world today, if we chose to submit and to love like Christ, we would be able to make it through the storm as well. And so these concepts, while, while addressed to uh, specifically the wives and husbands, in the greater context, remember, in the greater context, Paul is addressing Christians of how we should live our lives because of what Christ has done and because he has given us the Holy Spirit. This is where all, all this comes from. Yes, he focuses on wives and husbands, but the principles are good for everything and are good for everybody. How do you survive the storms of life right now? The bickering, the division, the disagreement that is happening in our country and that has seeped into the church. Submit and love like Christ. And the same applies to husbands and wives as well. The secret to marital bliss, and I would submit to you the secret to living Christianity in 2021 in a great way, following the example of Jesus. Gracious Father, Lord God, thank you for making homes, making marriages. I think of the book of Genesis. After you made this beautiful world, you made Adam and then Eve, and you created the first family. Lord, it was supposed to be so beautiful, but sin came and horrible things have happened, and we see, Lord, how the family that you wanted that it could be perfect and in love and unity, Satan has taken it and is destroying it. Lord, I pray a special prayer in this moment for the husbands, the fathers, O oh Lord. Lead them, O oh Lord. Lead them to be the husbands that you have called them out to be. Men of courage, of strength, of discipline, of love, Men that want, love you so much, God, that you are in their heart, and that love just overflows to their wives and to their children. Fill them with your spirit, O oh Lord, and guide them. Equip them with the tools that they need to be the priests of their homes. And bless their wives and children, O oh Lord, as well. Lord, the devil is attacking the homes, but you, Lord, are there to heal. And I pray, Father, for the healing on our church families, for the husbands that you be with them. Help them, O oh Lord, to show the love to their wives that their wives yearn to get. Be with them, O oh Lord, as they provide for their families. May they know, O oh Lord, that you are with them as they're trying to be the priests of their homes. Feed, uh, be with them, O oh Lord, and may they know that they are not alone, that you're guiding them. Please watch over those homes. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for uh, the counsel of your word. We thank you that, 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 that scripture provides for us a blueprint, as it were, of really how to live a, a Christian life, how to be a reflection of Jesus in everything that we do. And so we're thankful for marriages, as Lucy said, uh, uh, the institution of marriage that you created there in the Garden of Eden before there was sin in the world. And really, the, the, 
the institution of marriage, the relation of husband and wife, and in some ways a microcosm of, of our relationship with you, we as the church, the bride, you as the groom. Oh, Father, I pray that you will help us as, as married couples to follow your counsel, the advice that you provide in your word. Lord, there, there's something that, that was said in this song at the end is that this is not something we can do on our own. That this is something that we need your help. That husbands need the help to, to be able to be that reflection of the love of Jesus in the way they relate, in the way they, they treat their wives. Oh, help us, Father, because indeed, uh, because of our sinful nature, may, this is this not something natural. Help us, Lord, to be as loving as to our wives as Jesus loved the church. Be able to be a reflection of Christ, to imitate that in, uh, uh, him in everything. And as a result, Lord, we, we pray for the wives. Submission, although submission is something that we both do, uh, you know, the counsel is specific to the wives, and submitting is not something that is natural either. Because in some ways we want to keep control of our lives. We want to have control of our lives. And submitting means to give that control away. But Lord, you've asked us to submit to you. And so, Lord, we pray that you will be with the wives. Father, that they may feel the, the necessity, that both husbands and, and wives may feel the urge to follow these counsels. They're written there for a reason. And at a time in our, in, 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 in our society when, when Satan is doing, is working overtime to attack marriages, to attack the family structure, help us, Lord, as Christians to follow your counsel and to experience what you intended for marriage to be, a long life, a lifelong happy marriage. Lord, this is what you want. Lord, I pray for the marriages in this congregation. Understanding that Satan is attacking marriages, I understand, Lord, that there are couples who are going through trials even now. I pray that you will draw near to them, that you give both wisdom, uh, to, to, a wisdom to both of them. And again, your Holy Spirit that Paul talks about there in, in, in Ephesians 5, that, that, they, that as a result of them uh, being filled with your Spirit, that each chooses to do their part, loving submission and loving like Christ. But Father, uh, in a greater sense, help us as Christians also to follow these principles because we are indeed living in a, in a, in a time that is, there's so much trial and, and, and Christians are suffering, Christians are being affected by the events in this world. Help us also as a result of what Christ has done in our lives, as a result of being filled with the Holy Spirit that we also learn to, love, to submit in love, and to love like Christ. Because this is the antidote to everything that is happening in our world today. Thank you, Lord, for being with us. Thank you for answering our prayers. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. If you're ever in the Nashville area, come and visit us at the Nashville First Seventh-day Adventist Church. We're located at 2800 Blair Boulevard in Nashville, Tennessee. You may also visit us at nfsda.org.